welcome to So What Do You Think, a podcast where we discuss weird and unsolved mysteries and events and give you our completely unprofessional opinion on them. I'm Jay and with me here is B. Hi. <laughs> Sorry, I thought I was going to swallow that quicker than I did. That's what she said. <laughs> what a great way to start the show. <laughs> I don't know what is it like a green juice it looks like from here no it's just a ginger beer oh it looks green from here it's in like a smoky ash Uh, okay okay retro glass it's there to sound much healthier you could have gone yes it is a green juice actually it's a sugar-free ginger beer with a squeeze of fresh lime in it oh yeah the green the lime makes it green exactly it has green in it Okay. Okay. That's fine. We'll allow it. Mm-hmm. So tonight's episode is actually your request. So you flagged this one with me a couple of months ago, the disappearance of Emanuela Orlandi. Oh yeah. Yeah. So we're finally going to do this one. Heard so, about it in another podcast. Oh, did you? Did you? Yeah. So yeah, I was going to say, do you want to tell us how you came across this story? It was actually, <laughs> um, oh gosh. I was listening to a Joe Rogan episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember who he was actually talking to, but they were talking about different, um, they're talking about like Netflix series. I think there's a Netflix series there about is, yeah. one as well. Um, and that how it had sort of been swept under the rug and recently mm. was um, has uh, become another hot topic. So um, I was a little bit more like, uh, how have I never heard of this? How has no one ever heard of this? How right. how have they just swept this under the rug for so long? Because this is kind of a big deal. It is a really big deal and it's got a lot of twists and turns. I actually watched that documentary, the Netflix documentary. It's called um, Vatican Girl, The Disappearance of Emanuela Orlandi. I think I watched it last year when it first came out. Mm. So when you told me about it, I was like, yes, actually, I did watch that doco and it had kind of been sitting in the back of my mind. And, yeah, it's really a, a bizarre story of a teenage girl who seemed to just basically disappear without a trace within the Vatican. So, yeah, let's get into it. So we are in Rome on the 22nd of June 1983. Emanuela is a 15-year-old girl who lived with her parents Ecole and Maria and her four brothers and sisters, and they lived inside the Vatican. So. Now, not anyone can live in the Vatican. It's a very closed off sort of place. But Ecole, um, her father was a employee, so they got to live there. So basically only the employees live there. So apparently if you live there, you just get like free run of the place too. So she could basically go wherever she wanted to. Um, not that that sounds that much fun when you're 15. I feel like you'd be best off out there on the streets with people your own age, not around a whole heap of priests and popes and what have you, but, yeah, she lived in the Vatican. Now, have you been to the Vatican? You've been to Europe, haven't you? Yes, I went to the Vatican. Yeah, we I did too, like 17 years ago. Mm. Um, and it's literally like its own tiny little country within Rome, right? It's surrounded by great big huge walls. Yeah. Yeah, and it's essentially, for anyone who doesn't know, it's where the popes and the cardinals live. So Emanuela um, attended high school in Rome, so she would sort of come and go from the Vatican every day for that. At this time, school was out when she went missing, but she took music lessons three times a week and they continued on even through the school holidays. Now, Emanuela would catch the bus to music school. 
which would drop her a couple of hundred meters from the school and then she'd walk the rest of the way. On the day that she disappeared, uh, June 22nd, it was a Wednesday, it was a really, really hot day. She really didn't want to do the whole bus and walk situation, so she asked her brother Pietro to drive her. He says, no, I'm a busy guy, I've got things to do, I'm not driving you, and he refused. Something that to this day he now regrets. So she takes the bus and arrives a little bit late, but she does make the class Later that afternoon, she calls home and speaks to her sister and says that she's going to be home a little bit late because um, someone had approached her to become an Avon rep. Remember Avon? Wow. What year was this again? 1983. Avon was around then? Yeah, it was peak Avon time. I don't know. I just remember it in the 90s. Yeah, well, you weren't born in 1983, so of course you don't remember that. But yeah, that and Mary Kay. I remember my mum always had Mary Kay. I just, I remember, do you remember Nutramedics? Yeah, Nutramedics is still around, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. They had that, I remember Avon, they had like the little catalogs. I used to like look in there and pretend I was going to buy things in it, but never did because it was pretty expensive back then pretty expensive and it was shit to be honest yeah it wasn't great stuff it was very highly perfumed I remember like looking at it now like and what they were trying to sell it for Mm. yeah Yeah. um so yeah an Avon rep a guy approached her and asked her if she wanted to be an Avon rep and uh so she is going to chat with him be home a little bit late she's seen leaving the music school after class with a woman in a BMW. Now, Emanuela does not return home that night and the police are contacted the next day. Now, the police do something really dumb here. They, no. No, I know. Who'd have thunk? They put the no. word out about the missing girl and they publish the parent's phone number with the report. So they're like, this girl is missing. She lives in the Vatican. This is her parents' phone number if you know anything. I mean, can you imagine how many crazies called them? Yeah. What the hell? So it's hard to know what was real tips and what was hoaxes, but, I mean, safe to say they received a lot of phone calls over the next couple of days. Yep. On Saturday, 25th of June, three days later at 6 p.m., a guy called claiming that he was called Pierre Luigi and he had some information. He said that he and his fiance had seen Emanuela that day in Piazza Navona, so three days after she's gone missing. Um, and Piazza Navona is one of the great big, like, large open spaces in Rome. He said that she had her flute and her hair was the same colour. In fact, his pre- description of her is pretty spot on. He said that she just had her hair cut and stopped to speak with him and his fiance. She introduced herself as Barbarella and said that she had run away from home and was now selling Avon products. So, interesting tip. What do you think about this tip? He's involved, surely. Well, he knows things, doesn't he? He knows about the flu. He knows about the Avon. Avon, yeah. Unless, I'm not entirely sure, did the police leak those details? Were the police like, you know, she told her parents that she was going to see someone about Avon? You know, we just don't know what was in the media at the time. Hmm. Now, there was another phone call a few days later on June 28th by a man called Mario who claimed to own a bar between the Vatican and the music school. He said a girl calling herself Barbara, who sound, which sounds a little bit like Barbarella, who looked like Manuela, had been coming in as a customer. 
She told him that she had run away from home, but would go home soon because her sister was getting married and she was going to go home for the wedding. So that was interesting as well. I mean, again, we've got someone giving a fake name saying that they'd run away from home. After this tip, the local police put out a missing put out missing flyers with her pictures all around that area. So, yeah, thoughts so far. What are your initial thoughts about what could have happened to her? That there are multiple people involved in this. Yeah, it sounds as though there's a few people sort of coming to the party on this one, right? But why, if yeah. you were involved, why would you call and tell them is my initial yeah. thought. I mean, they're trying to sort of drive the narrative that she's run away, I think. That's what it sort yeah. of feels like. Nothing like a good old curveball. Yeah, I mean, we don't know her home situation. We don't know what her parents or family were like. Maybe she did have a situation that she wanted to escape, you know. But that's if they are to be believed, and I think we've got a long way before we're actually going to do that. Now, on July 3rd, Pope John Paul II actually appealed to the public to come forward if they knew anything. And what followed was a whole lot of anonymous calls, anonymous tips. And this is where things start to get really weird. So one of the first anonymous calls is from a man who says that a terrorist group had Emanuela held prisoner and wanted to trade her for a prisoner named Mehmet Ali Agcha. Now, who was he? He was in prison for shooting the Pope in an assassination attempt in 1981. So apparently these kidnappers wanted to swap Emanuela to this would-be assassin. After this, an American man who called himself the American would call... (laughs) Yeah, I know, original. He would call and try and bargain for the release of Agcha. He even played Emanuela's voice over the phone, saying this is proof that I have her. Now, he said that the other call callers, Pierre, Luigi and Mario, they'd given false information as they were members of this terrorist organisation and they were trying to throw them off the scent, make it sound as though she'd just run away. So... When the calls to the family proved fruitless and nothing actually came of it, that's when the American called the Vatican and said, this is what's going on. When that didn't work, he went to the media. He said that he would leave proof of life in a bin near the parliament building. So they're like, all right, fine, leave proof of life. We'll see where we go from there. He ended up leaving some items. These items were copies of her music school identity card and a receipt for tuition, as well as a note that she had supposedly written. Now, the police are not just entertaining this person swap, though. They're just not going to do that. They're they're not releasing Agja from prison. So the American gets pissed, and he just keeps on calling over and over and over, talking to anyone who will listen, like, if you don't hand this guy over, we're going to kill the girl. He ends up even calling Emanuela's classmates, like, what are they going to do? <laughs> you know, he's high school students. What are they going to do about it? You know? So on July 17th, the police that uh, the police are directed to a cassette that has been left in the news building. And it is the audio of a girl being tortured. Whether or not it's her cannot be concluded. The police quickly decide that it wasn't her though. They're like, no, no, that's fake. That's not her. But there's still doubts about this tape. We still don't even know to this day whether or not it was her on there. So once the police decided that it was all a hoax, they give the audio to the family and they released it to the public as well. I mean, 
Jesus, what a horrific thing to give to the family, for starters. What if it was her? Even if it isn't her, the thought that it could be must have just been so horrific for them. However, one guy, Antonio Aschiore, who was an agent with Digos, it's called. It's like, I think it's like a like the Italian FBI. He is an agent with the Digos. Uh, he's the first person to listen to the tape when it's found. Then he listens to the tape that's been given to the media and the parents, and he says it's not the same tape. He said the real tape was longer and it had men's voices in it as well. So it seems like the official version had been faked. So let's unpack all of that for now. Where's your head right now? Um, All over the shop. <laughs> I don't mean life in general. <laughs> oh, thanks for clarification there. Yeah. I thought you were just wanting to, you know, chat about how, how I'm doing. <laughs> We know how I'm doing. I'm forgetting things that are important. (laughs) Wasting money. Hashtag Um, ADHD brain. Yeah, ADHD. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. Where am I at with the um, story? The fake, Um, fake, maybe not fake voice recording thing and all of that. Why are there two? Exactly. Why would the police need to give a fake version? Because they're in cahoots. Well, I mean, really, there's not too many reasons why you'd do that, is there? To be in, other than to be in cahoots. Yeah, right. And they're in cahoots with the Vatican. I'm going to start soon. (laughs) I'll give you a chance to start. I'm going to come out. My thoughts about the Vatican and all the conspiracy theories. (laughs) Um, so, yeah, I don't know why they faked this tape. I mean, maybe they didn't want to upset the parents by having a more horrific version or I don't know. I don't know what it is. Maybe they thought they were making it more palatable. I mean, it's certainly something I can see happening, especially back then. I'm just not 100% sure that this wasn't just some crazy who wanted to use her disappearance as a bargaining chip, though. Interesting how they got hold of her personal items, though. That is something to consider, I think. So this American guy was the was apparently a member of the Grey Wolves, which was a Turkish ultra-nationalist organisation, uh, the organisation to which Agcha had been a member of. They spoke to Agcha who said, yes, they had her, but she was alive and safe and living secretly in a convent somewhere. So again, plot twist, what the hell? Okay. I don't really understand like why all of this is going on. I suppose they want to get this guy out of jail, but the Vatican has said, no, we're not going to orchestrate anything like that. Now, in the mid-2000s, a high-profile prosecutor who dealt a lot dealt a lot with various organisations over the years, um, his name was Judge Ferdinando Imposimato, amazing name, said that he had learned through his dealings that Emanuela had gone to live in Paris, where she had become a Muslim and was now integrated into their society. Like he had found this out just because he dealt with lots of dodgy people and that was the word on the street. There was no real proof, though, of this. And honestly, like why would she just not reach out to her family if that was the case? Like Paris isn't that far away from Rome. Like you just pick up the phone and let your parents know you're still alive. So I don't know, that sounded like bullshit. What do you think about that? So many twists and turns in this one. There are too many players in this case and it gets very confusing, but 
yeah, I don't know. I, I just, yeah, it's very hard to keep tabs on it all. So all of this is not necessarily saying to me that the grey wolves are involved, but more that they were in some high-level shady shit. You know, there was some sort of risk of people getting exposed if they looked into this angle further, put it that way. There's a lot of, like, nothing-to-see-here vibes going on, I think, which may or may not relate to this case at all. I don't know. It may just be sort of misdirection. But... Things are about to get even weirder. 18 years after her disappearance in 2001, a priest in one of the Vatican churches was doing some sorting and rearranging when he came across a bag in one of the confessionals. In the bag is a human skull, minus the jawbone, along with the photo of Padre Pio, who was a Catholic saint. Now, um, nobody knows how long it had been there. It has never been identified as a Manuela's skull, and I'm not sure if it's ever even been tested, but people seem to think that it could have been her. No proof, though, so I probably wouldn't even go there with that idea. Yeah. However, in 2013, when Pope Francis is elected, he meets with the Orlandis, and he says to them, Emanuela is in heaven, which to a lot of people kind of means... She's dead and he knows it. What do you mm. think about that? Mm, yeah. Or he's just saying it because it's a nice thing to say. Yeah, trying to give them comfort because, you yes. know, that's how they think that, you know, oh, well, she's she might be dead, but she's with God, so it's okay, yeah. you know. Yeah. And a lot of people do read into it like it's a confession, though. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think I'm with you. I think that it's probably just an attempt at comfort. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't even around when it all happened. He wasn't the Pope then, so. Yeah. The family, though, just go full conspiracy mode and they take it as a sign that the Vatican knows what happened. Yeah. And in sort of probing further, more Vatican shadiness does come out. It now, always does. It always does. Oh, look, don't get me wrong. I don't want to insult any of our Catholic listeners if we have them. If you want to be Catholic, that's fine. Whatever. Look, I don't judge on religion. Do what you've got to do. However, the Catholic Church as an institution like, has to be one of the most corrupt institutions in the world. So it, I say that in the context of whatever is uncovered in this case, I won't be surprised with at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can see your face. You want to rant so badly. My lips are sealed. I'm <laughs> controlling myself. Your face is turning purple. <laughs> so on July 11th, 2005, on the Italian TV show Chicha Visto, someone called in anonymously and said that if they wanted to solve the Orlandi case, they need to take a look at who was buried in the crypt of the Basilica di Sant'Apollinare, who was like a holy dude of some sort. Mm-hmm. So they're like, sorry. The holiest what? of dudes. <laughs> well, he's a holy dude. I don't know. I don't know exactly what he did. So this t- tip is actually taken seriously. And they're like, all right, let's go have a look in the crypt. What have we got to lose? Can't hurt, right? So they go inside the crypt and there was a grave that shouldn't have been there. So that instantly is a little bit like, okay. But it wasn't a Manuela. It was Banda della Magliana's previous leader. And the Magliana's were like an Italian gangland family. And this was their previous leader, Enrico de Pettis, who had died in 1990. So here in this holy crypt, we have 
a mob boss being buried. So thoughts on that? Why did they say it would solve her case? Well, yeah. Is it connected to Emanuela or is this just mm. a way to get the police to find this body? Mm. I don't know. What do you reckon? And why is there a mob boss there? Wait, is this in the Vatican? Yeah, in one of the crypts. The Vatican have to be involved in that. How else would someone get in and bury a mob boss's body? I know. It's not something you can sneak in and do in the middle of the night. No, you can't. Unless we go full, um, what's it called? The movie when they make the man a puppet, that 80s classic. We can't have Bernie's. That's what I'm. If, if everyone could just see what I was doing, I know you look like now. a marionette. Dog. Yeah, that's exactly what I look like. Um, yeah, unless they went full weekend at Bernie's. Mm. Yeah. So all of a sudden, we've got this another weird twist and turn in this case. But I think again, we have, you know we potentially have no connection to Emanuela at all here. But someone using her disappearance to get the police to look into something else—that's what yeah. it feels like. It is. Yeah. So why was this mob boss buried here is the question. And there's just so many questions, so many possibilities, it's hard to really know. Apparently someone had let slip about this strange burial arrangement in 1997 and a newspaper had actually run an article about it. But the Vatican shut it down straight away. As soon as anyone started asking questions about this article, they're like, no, nothing to see here, don't talk about it. So this anonymous caller did suggest that it was related to a favour that Enrico Depidis had done for one of the cardinals, Cardinal Paletti. When they looked into it, it appears that Cardinal Paletti had been the one to approve the burial as well. So it all started to come round full circle. So we've got some like Dan Brown level shit going on here by the sounds of it. Or is it just like crazy mob corruption shit? I'm not entirely sure, but what it looks like is that the mob did a favour for a cardinal and in return the mob boss got to be buried in the Vatican. That's what it looks like has happened. Now, no connections or clues to Emanuela's case were ever found at all, but it did start people asking questions again. Was Bandadella Magliana involved in some way in Emanuela's disappearance? A year after the anonymous caller called the program, they did an interview on the show with someone who claimed to be a former Banda della Magliana member named Antonio Mancini. Now, he says that he actually recognised the anonymous voice from the first caller, um, Mario. So remember Mario had called to say that he had seen Emanuela um, a few days after she disappeared and she was now selling Avon and what have you. He said that when he heard that call, he actually recognised Mario as a guy called Raffetto, who was one of Enrico Depidis' henchmen. Antonio's girlfriend, Sabrina, would confirm this also. So we're starting to get a little bit of a connection to the mob here and things start to get a little bit more confusing. It would then come out that, that Enrico's gang had kidnapped Emanuela and kept her drugged in an apartment. Sabrina had actually been one of her watchers. She said that the kidnapping had been orchestrated by the Archbishop Paul Marcellus, who had once been the head of the Vatican Bank, but was then ousted in some sort of disgraced reasons. Sabrina said that the last time she saw Emanuela, she drove her drugged to the Vatican, where a priest came and took her and put her in a different car and drove away with her. 
So let's just unpack that. What are your thoughts on that initially? Where did he take her? What's he taking her for? Yeah. What Why? was the reason he was disgraced? Well, I'm assuming if he was the head of the bank, he probably had did something to do with money stealing or something. Maybe. Or something else. Who knows? Something else. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, it has to be pretty bad to be disgraced because you can do some pretty freaking horrific things and not be shunned. I know. What does it take? That's the question. Yeah. So yeah. what has he done to be shunned? Right. So, yeah, I guess, like, to me it's getting into crazy territory at this point. So if we put it all together, we've got this guy coming forward saying that he used to work for the mob. The mob had kidnapped Emanuela, kept her drugged, had some other guy from the mob call and pretend that he'd seen her around time, to, I guess by time, yeah. and then she had been handed over drugged to someone pretty high up in the Vatican, I would have to say, an archbishop. I'm pretty sure that's pretty high. Um, yeah. yeah, why? Why is the question, I think, if that is yeah. the case, if that is correct. What what the hell's going on is what I've got, is what I have to ask. Yeah. What the fuck? Um, <laughs> Literally. Uh, well, do we know anything about her parents? Like, is this a, something against them? Nothing has ever been discussed about her parents. And that, yeah, I'm, I'm of that mind too. I'm like, what's going on in that house? What's so the parents are either involved somehow, like as in they, this is a vendetta against them. Mm. Yeah. Or something's happened to her. Mm. I don't need to say out loud what we are all thinking. Yep. And she said that she's going to say something. Yeah. And or maybe yeah. she's just like an innocent victim and just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. And oh, that true. Yeah, you know. Now, after this, we get a little bit of an insight into our Archbishop and what he actually did to become disgraced. I mean, there's a lot to go into, too much to go into in this podcast, but the the basic crux of it all is that there were claims that the Vatican Bank was laundering money for lots of shady people, not just Banda della Magliana gang, but a lot of people. And it looks like at some point the Vatican just took their money to launder and didn't give it back. Now, if this theory was true, we have to assume that this was like a kidnap for ransom sort of situation that was dealt with by the Vatican alone, and that's why we've never heard that side of it. I mean, to me, that sounds pretty believable. I don't know about you. They have so much money. Why would they need to, like, exactly. let yeah. a girl die? Well, I mean, it kind of um, it opens up sort of the dialogue about it, it kind of suggests why the archbishop was disgraced. I mean, money laundering is a pretty big no-no. Maybe it was more than just money laundering, though. Maybe it was money laundering plus getting put in his own pocket. That's um, what it would be. Yeah, that's it. And then he I'm said, "Sorry, but it wouldn't be about money laundering. It would be that he was pocketing it for yeah. himself, and you're not allowed to do that because that's God's money. I mean, really, is it though? Um, I mean, look at all the stuff that they have in the Vatican: the art, the gold, yeah, the 
Yeah, gone and yeah. Stolen. I don't think it would have been the Vatican stealing the money because they're the richest bloody place there is. Mm. But yeah, if this guy sort of laundered that money and then decided, no, you know what, I'm going to keep it for myself, and there's nothing you can do about it because you're not going to go to the police, are you? You know, plus no one's going to believe that the Vatican's ever done anything wrong. So you know, maybe mm. that was it. Maybe that was. I think the Vatican's done lots of things wrong. Oh, absolutely. We know this now, but back then, like, you know, in the 80s, probably people were a little bit less inclined to leave that. But then how does Emanuela get brought into that? Where does she feature in all of this, you know, if that's the case? We know that the Catholic Church are well known, like we said, for being corrupt and the disgusting wealth display that, you know, the papacy has while their people go hung- hungry, the archaic human rights, the archaic women's rights, all of that sort of stuff, you know, don't get me started. But could we just have a case where this is just like a rogue guy who's trying to get rich as well? It's like, which is the worst? Which was more likely? Both probably likely, you know? Yeah. So I'm going to say money laundering at the Vatican. Sure. Yep. That's a possibility to me. I don't know. What do you think? Oh, yeah. hundred percent. So I feel this theory has probably got a little bit more weight than the whole let's do a prisoner transfer with Ali Agcha and all that theory. That sounded a little bit weird to me. Yeah. So in 2012, someone seems to grow a conscience. Mm-hmm. Intel Father Gabriel Amoth, who was 85 years old by this time. Yeah. And incidentally was the Vatican's exorcist. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like the one Catholic that we can get behind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he Power said, of Christ compels you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's doing, doing good work. He says, I can't keep it in anymore. I've got to tell what I know. Yep. He says that Emanuela was kidnapped by the Vatican police and used as a sex slave before being murdered. Now, nothing really proves this theory, but it kind of simmered away and was it was added to when one of Emanuela's best friends said that she had told her that she was actually being sexually abused by someone close to the Pope. This theory seemed to gain weight when a recording from 2009 was published by a journalist. It was a recording of the Magliana mobster Marcello Neroni who said that the gang was hired to kidnap her by someone in the Vatican to cover up a sex scandal. So I think we might be getting a little bit closer to reality here. What do you think? It's what we were all waiting for. Yeah, exactly. So she's come out and said to a friend of hers, there is a guy that is like close to the Pope, didn't say who he was, but basically somebody who I'm not going to be able to point the finger at. Um, And he is doing things to me and I don't like it. And maybe she threatened to go to someone and he's like, right, she's got to be taken care of then. Yep. And I think that theory is probably just as, if not more believable than the money laundering stuff. Mm -hmm. However, could the two be combined? Could both these theories be correct? Yep. Could it be like, go get rid of this girl who is going to cause trouble for me. But then Magliana are like, wait, don't you owe us a lot of money? The last lot of money laundering money we gave you, you never gave back to us. So why should we do anything for you? Yeah. And then they think, okay, well, how about we kidnap her instead? And if you don't pay us, we'll get her to talk and she'll expose you all. Mm -hmm. If so, then they have got paid, handed her over, and then the Vatican took her away as Sabrina witnessed. What do you reckon? 100% 100% on it. I feel like at this point, this is feeling likely for sure. Yeah. Or at least things are coming together a little bit. Yeah. 
Yeah. However, here comes the next bit of crazy. Get ready. In 2012, we get VatiLeaks. A bit like WikiLeaks, but for the Vatican. (laughs) (laughs) So lots of Vatican documents are listing lots of corrupt activity, and I mean horrific stuff. It's like a horror story come into public viewing. One of these documents from 1997 was called Summary Report of the Expenses Incurred by the Vatican City State for Activities Relating to the Citizen Emanuela Orlandi. So that's pretty telling, right? Just slightly. No, no room for interpretation on that topic. No, no. <laughs> so no it was a different, different girl. Yeah, yeah. Same name, different, yeah. Different girl. So basically it's like an expense log for this person. And the expenses were from 1983, which is when she disappeared, to 1997. And they came to around about 483 million lira, which is about 250,000 euros around about. It looks like whoever this person was lived in London throughout this time. The last bill in 1997 was for transfer to Vatican, Vatican City with relative settlement for final practices. So that sounds as though she died and was transferred back to the Vatican to be interred. Now, before we get too excited, both the Vatican and Rome authorities have declared these documents a hoax, but then again, why wouldn't they? And even her family agrees that they were probably fabricated. I don't know. I don't know whether I'm sure either way on this, though. I don't know. What are your thoughts about this uh, Vatty leaks? I mean, it is something that could have been faked for sure. Yeah, where did these come from and how did they get them? To be fair, I don't know a whole lot about Vatty Leaks. I'm one of those people that, like, totally believes that conspiracy theories are a thing and a lot of them come true in that, but I I feel like personally I don't have the energy to go into it as much as some people. I just feel like it would actually depress me and send me a little bit crazy, so I haven't really ever looked into anything like that. So I don't know. I mean... They're leaked documents, aren't they? So they could 100% be fabricated. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Interestingly, though, on June 17th, 2011, Pietro, who was Emanuela's brother, was being interviewed on a TV show when another anonymous caller called. They love their phone-in shows over in Italy. I've Mm -hmm. I've gained from this this, uh, case. Somebody called in and claimed to be a former agent of the Italian military agency And he said that Emanuela was still alive and she was living in London where she'd been kept at a mental institution all this time and had been constantly sedated. So this was a year before. Yeah, well, this is a year before the Vatty Leaks. So that would all line up, you know. That all kind of comes together. This caller said that she'd been taken because her father found out about the money laundering. So, which, I, I mean, I don't. Maybe her father found out about the money laundering, but why kidnap his daughter? That's a weird, like kidnap is something you do when you're blackmailing someone. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, or was it a, we've got your daughter and we'll keep her alive, but if you ever say anything, we'll kill her. You know, like maybe that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, what message does that send? It, this The worst thing's already happened. His daughter's missing. So what... Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't really make too much sense. That doesn't make too much sense, no. So the whole thing is, like, so complex and really reads like the plot of a movie to me. As far as the Vatican goes, though, I think that, like, the sky's the limit as far as shadiness goes. Mm -hmm. 
As far as theories go, it's hard because there's no real evidence of anything. Everything that we know in this case is hearsay. So the question becomes like, who are you going to believe? I think if I had to put my money on a theory, I think Emanuela was molested by a Vatican creeper. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, the Vatican decides not to pay some mobsters, which sounds like a fantastic idea, honestly. Yep. And then the Vatican guy asks the mobsters, whom he obviously has a working relationship with, to get rid of his problem. And when they realise who she is and what she knows, they decide to use her to come to an agreement. Money is paid, Emanuela is handed over to the Vatican. And what happens after that, I don't know. Either she's kept in London, like they've said, like Vaddy Leake says, um, or she's killed. I don't know which one happened. But I so want to go and investigate English mental facilities at that time, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, anyway, that's my theory of what happened. What do you think? Same, but I think they would have just killed her. You think they just killed her? Yeah. Not worth the risk. Easy enough to do. Yeah. I guess you could always argue, like, the quote-unquote Catholic point of view of, you know, thou shalt not kill, and we couldn't bring ourselves to kill her, so we just medicated her for the rest of her life and put her in a mental institution. You know, that could be a factor, but to be honest, I just don't think... Yeah, but it's amazing what what people will tell themselves to protect something. So, yeah, no, thou shalt not kill, but if it's to protect the Vatican... What I find like if if it is the case that she did go to London and was just kept alive for all those years the Vatican had to have known about it I don't see one person orchestrating that and using Vatican funds to fund her life for the rest of her life and them not knowing about it which just takes it next level completely right so there's actually more to this story as a sidebar In 2018, the Orlandis family lawyer received an anonymous letter. It said, if you ever want to find Emanuela, search where the angel looks. And a picture of the inside of an angel statue found in the Teutonic Cemetery inside the Vatican was added into the letter. Amazingly, this is taken seriously, and the Vatican agree to open the two tombs that may have been possibilities as to where the angel was looking. These tombs were the tombs of Princess Sophie of Polenhoe, Waldenberg, Bartenstein, and Duchess Charlotte Frederica of Mecklenburg-Schwein. So they open up the crypts. It's a big deal. It's like the the date of opening is set for the 11th of July, 2019, and present would actually be um, anthropologist Giovanni Arcudi, who's ready there to take in whatever's in there. They open up the tombs and they are empty. And by empty, I mean not even the bodies of the princesses are in there like they were supposed to be. So that's its own separate thing there, right? Like where are the princesses? Got to find that out. And the searches do occur and some bones are found, but they're very old and, you know, investigations continue. So why were these tombs suggested? How did this person know they would be empty? Why were they empty? Like it's just more questions now. I feel like it just muddies the waters, you know? But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know whether it's actually related. What do you think? No, I just think that the Vatican has lots of lots and lots and lots of little dirty secrets. I think there is so much that we don't know about. Like, Mm -hmm. God, can you imagine if we knew it all? I think that this poor girl was surrounded by such disgusting people. I guess it's possible some rando just abducted and murdered her. But really, 
it does seem like a lot of people have information of that not being the case. In fact, 40 days before Emanuela disappeared, another 15-year-old girl disappeared from Rome after receiving a phone call from someone she said was a classmate named Alessandro, and she said she'd be back in 10 minutes but was never seen again. Four years later, on a visit the Pope made to a Rome parish, her mother recognised his escort as the guy who picked her up that day. So she's like, hang on a second, that was Alessandro. This is the guy that picked her up and she never came back. So wasn't the guy, it was someone totally different um, and nobody ever knows what happened to her. So this is, is it all connected? I don't know. Does it speak to a bigger conspiracy? I don't know. Or is it just the Vatican doing whatever the hell they want, which includes two separate cases maybe? I don't know. Or is it just random serial killer situations? Again, don't know. So final thoughts on this case. Me? Hmm. No, the other person on Zoom. Where do I begin? Okay, come on, lay it on me. No, look, I think that the Vatican are involved. How, when, who, I don't know. But they're dodgy and they look out for each other. That is their priority. It's all for the good of the church and the good, yeah, the good of the church. So they will turn a blind eye to absolutely stop laughing i said the greater good that's all <laughs> you're just laughing at my i'm laughing at like my own YouTube jokes. no 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 i go for it i'm laughing at my own jokes <laughs> i don't even know where i was now um what was i up to what part of my rant was i up to? <laughs> what part of my rant they're all looking after each other they've got each they other. all look after each other and it doesn't matter if they do something completely disgusting and horrific then it's all for the greater good it's for the name of the church so they would do like it's not a secret we know what they do mm. and yep. this isn't me saying that they all do this this is me saying that some of them do it but others keep their freaking mouth shut oh yeah for sure yeah absolutely because it will give them a bad name and mm. yeah it will and it should yeah like i agree what exactly happened? I don't know. Yeah. Were gangsters involved? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, maybe because money also seems to play a big part in this freaking religion as well. Yeah. Um, but I definitely think that there was bad stuff happening by bad people and somewhere along the line someone's ended up dead or removed, mm. never to be seen again. Yeah, I think I'm reasonably convinced that she was kidnapped by the mob and used as a bargaining chip. But, I mean, after that, I don't know. Yeah. Right. Although if, if murder was the Vatican's goal once they got her back, why not just tell the mob to do it? You know what I mean? Like if they were going to take her back and kill her, I'm sure they would have just said to the mob, you know, you go do it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that priests probably wouldn't want to get their hands dirty. Um, plus body disposal is messy and inconvenient. So I just feel like if they were going to kill her, they probably would have just got them to do it. So it was taken. Yeah, but also can you really rely on the mob? True, true, yeah. Mm. But, you know, maybe taking her back was a sign that they would keep her alive. Could she have been in that institution, you know? Or, you know, did she... Is she there to this day or did she die and was returned? Unfortunately, I don't think we'll ever know that side of it. I think the Vatican keep their secrets pretty well locked down. 
Interestingly, probably due to last year's documentary on Netflix, um, in January this year, the Vatican has actually agreed to reopen the case and take a fresh look. Um, and I feel like the fact that the Vaticans are the ones doing the, the Vatican is the one doing the investigation of themselves. <laughs> bit of a con- conflict of interest, let's say. <laughs> Again, because they have their own set of rules. Yeah. Yeah. So watch this space, I guess. Let's see what comes of that. I wouldn't hold my breath. Um, yeah. I look, it's one of those things where with the Vatican, like it probably won't happen in my lifetime, but it would be really, really nice to have some transparency at some point and have, I know that we've had the Vatty leaks, you know, maybe that's the start of it all, but it would be really nice to know all the dodgy shit that's gone on over the years. I think that we'd have a lot of um, mysteries be solved if that was the case. Mm-hmm. Not just in Rome either. I feel like this is probably something that spreads worldwide in some instances. Mm-hmm. Any more ranting you want to do before we finish up? No. No. Say that. Myself. <laughs> the wraps. Yes. I think I was quite refined. This yeah, season. you were very controlled and contained. Well done. No, no, I think that an episode like this you can rant a little bit because it is so upsetting and uh, corrupt. Yeah. And I feel bad for, you know, true Catholics that do want to just sort of be good people and that sort of thing, having that yep. as of your religion. 100%. 100%. Yeah, like that just must be like how do you consolidate that all in your mind, you know? Yeah. It must lead to a lot of disillusionment anyway. Anyway, tell us what you think, uh, what happened to her man, Weller, and, uh, yeah, we'll keep talking about it. Come and see us on socials. Bye. Bye.